1: Uh, this is Charity Remington. She's the executive director of the Mission Haiti. Every now and then we have the opportunity to have a kind of a ministry spotlight for some of our own GBC missionaries, both here in the States and abroad internationally. Uh, and Charity, you were telling me earlier that uh, every one of those kids, they've been sponsored by us.
2: Yes, Uh uh-huh. all of those kids. Not one of them would have been in school last year if it wasn't for People sitting in this very room and in the other two services.
1: Praise God. Make some noise. Not for yourself. (laughs) But for God at work in and through us. uh, We're so grateful for the Mission Haiti. Uh, Charity, we've got new faces in our church family uh, who are new since the pandemic and kind of coming back online. So introduce us to the Mission Haiti. What is it? What do you do? Why do you do it?
2: Sure. Um, Well, this is my home church, and I'm usually in here with you guys. This is uh, my service, and I'm usually over there. Um, I've been coming here for about 10 years now and so has my family when you saw the trellises out back and the people out there that's my mom and dad my sister my brother and my niece from Haiti who is the one who was narrating that video and she grew up in one of those schools Um, something funny I didn't get to tell the other two services is when she was reading the text of the narration it says kind teachers." she goes well they're not always kind because they're strict (laughs) she goes but they do teach us to love Jesus
1: (laughs) way to edit that out
2: so well not that part but yes Um, sometimes kindness is strictness Um, but anyway what we do is we we work With schools in Haiti just to get children in school. There's about half a million kids who have never attended school in Haiti, and the rest of kids drop out usually by sixth grade um, because there's no free school and it has a high cost. And we just really feel like the Lord has helped us to see that that's a root cause of the poverty that just cycles over and over in Haiti, the violence, the dysfunction, the voodoo that just strangleholds families, keeps people from accessing the gospel. So a long time ago, we started saying, okay, what is just the cost to get these kids in Christian godly schools where the of God is centered, where they have teachers watching out for them, and where they can be raised up in the Lord. And it ended up being about $175 a year. So our first year, we had 15 kids. We found people to send those kids to school and on and on. It's grown, especially as our own church body has gotten involved. We've gone from 15 to almost 1,300. Um, So it's truly a blessing and a miracle. And this past year, with everything that's gone on with them, I've been working in Haiti for 18 years now. And this is by far the darkest, toughest time I've ever seen. I mean, there's been Pastors kidnapped off the stage, gang violence going on. These kids are enmeshed in so much terror, and these schools have been refuges for them. I mean, you see those kids praying in those videos. That's life and death for them, (laughs) seeking the face of God, knowing who he is and knowing who their stability is uh, in times like this. So we're just really thankful for everyone who's done that. If you've done it once or you've done it for 10 years, we appreciate you greatly.
1: Amen, amen. And if you're interested in finding out more, uh, there's still a handful of faces, precious faces of small men and women, female and male image bearers that we have an opportunity yes. to send to school to make sure that they're fed. I mean, did, did, did you hear the young girl that said, I love to go to school because I get to eat? That's... Yes. That's not something that we know how to wrap our minds around.
2: For some of those kids, that is the only consistent meal they get. I mean, we've had kids that you find them passed out behind the school building, and summer is tough on kids because there's no consistency in food. So it's a, that alone is a lifesaver for some children.
1: Y'all heard that? Um, and this isn't about guilt tripping. We love the gracious generosity of GBC, and so if God burdens your heart to be a part of that please in the breezeway go out and find out more ask questions Haiti's experiencing just devastation right now as we speak. Uh, For those of you who want to know how to get involved with helping some of the cleanup and rescue efforts because of the earthquake, know that we have people on the ground right now with Mark Stockland, Haiti Bible Mission, another one of our international missionaries. We'll keep in front of you ways that we can serve them and provide for them. Uh, One of the biggest issues is that some of the major bridges that get to the places that are most devastated, they're they're broken. The springs are broken and the supports on those bridges, and so they can't drive trucks across them, so they're lugging supplies by back, by motorcycle, by bicycle, doing whatever they can to serve folks, and so we'll uh, keep that in front of you. Charity, thank you for your ministry, for your you. witness to Haiti, for keeping us abreast of that. How can we be specifically praying for Haiti?
2: Um, I would say pray, pray for the church um, because this has really been their hour. Uh, What has been really fun for us after, you know, 18 years of watching kids come up and graduate and some of them go into ministry and start businesses and do all these different things is we're seeing just this surge of passion in the hearts of Haitians to try to help their body of Christ on the other side of the island. Um, they just Their hearts reach out, and they don't have much to do it with, but they want to so badly. I mean, churches organizing, bringing their own stuff, gathering their own water bottles and their own sheets from their own house and trying to make convoys across to South Haiti to bring it. So I say pray pray for the, the local body of Christ to be resourced, to rise up, and to be able to, uh, they, they're tired of everyone having to do things for them. They want to do it themselves. Amen. And so I just say pray and join us in agreement with them, and then Um, Just, you know, keep on praying for peace in Haiti and a peaceful school year.
1: Amen. Amen. Let me do that now uh, for you and for Haiti. Father, thank you for the mission, Haiti. Thank you for Haiti Bible Mission. Uh, Thank you for the numerous organizations uh, that are on the ground there meeting physical needs in order to meet spiritual needs. Uh, Jesus, we do pray for your church, Capital C, Universal Church, all around the globe that right now... um, God, they've got a great opportunity to respond in the midst of crisis. We grieve, God, just like everyone else, but we grieve as those who have Hope. And so, God, I pray for the hope of Jesus and the gospel to be uh, so near the brokenhearted as you promised that you would. God, thank you for charity for the Remington family uh, and for this body, Grace Bible, uh, and their generosity, Father. Continue to burden our hearts to see the gospel go forth here, there, and everywhere. Uh, It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Charity. Make some noise for Miss Charity and for the Mission Haiti. You know, I didn't say this in the last two services, and maybe you've done all of your own homework, but the situation in Afghanistan is crazy, Uh, and um, the Taliban have taken over. And um, what strikes me as so shocking and audacious is that the reason that the Taliban know where the Christian leaders and pastors are, you ready for this? is because the Christians declared their allegiance to Jesus and told the government that they belong to the way because they knew that them standing firm in Christ at this hour would leave a legacy for the generations that would come behind them and it put a target on their heads. And if you've not read, we have... Christian missionaries in the area that are getting reports that these Christian pastors in the underground church are getting handwritten letters from the Taliban that say, we know where you are and we're coming for you. Be martyred already and will. And so we need to pray. Uh, Flittering all over social media around is, uh, do you pray for Afghanistan day? And we have already and we will continue and just pray and ask God to do what he does best. This would not be the first time that God would stop Someone in their tracks who are going to persecute the church. Remember a guy named Saul on the road to Damascus? God can do it again. God can do it again. Amen. All right. Hey, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at GBC. I'm glad you guys are here. Pastor Dustin was supposed to be preaching this morning. But in case you had not heard, he is at home. He and Ansley are on the back end of their quarantine period because COVID paid them a visit as well, as well as uh, Pastor JJ, another one of our pastors. And really just COVID continues to sweep uh, through the country and even locally. Uh, And so we just want to remind you folks, we said this a little bit last week, but we want to remind you again uh, that uh, if you're feeling ill, make wise choices. Stay home. We would love to serve you. Uh, Church online, 10 o'clock on YouTube or on Facebook. If you feel more comfortable here wearing a mask, then mask up. That's perfectly acceptable. Uh, Just so you know, we've resumed fogging in here after every service to clean all y'all's germs away. Uh, We're redoubling our efforts on cleaning and sanitizing the whole church, specifically the bathrooms, uh, making sure that we have our sanitizing stations all around. Uh, But continue to be wise as this surge seems to continue to spread. Again, I know this is a polarizing uh, issue. What's not polarizing is that people are dying, and so we want to uh, be wise, and we want to be safe, specifically for those most vulnerable among us. All right, got your Bibles. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Say what? We are almost done with saying what. We're in this series called Say What, where we are doing our best to unpack some of the things that we say around here uh, that often land out there with a bit of confusion. Uh, we've been trying to clean up some of these theological phrases and, 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 and statements and doctrines uh, so that you can be confident in what you believe about who God is and what God has done and how God's work and the nature and character of God affects us and our salvation. And so this morning, we want to talk a little bit about theology. Uh, Dustin wanted to, but here I am, and I'm glad to be here as always. We may have a, a treat for you a little bit later if technology uh, cooperates, but this morning... We want to talk a little bit about the chain of salvation. Uh, Much like uh, a a regular chain works. You know how a chain, a metal chain works. They are metal links and they're soldered together. And the more links in a chain, the stronger and longer and more effective a chain can be. Well, much like links in a regular chain, salvation has some links as well. Now, depending on how far back into the plan of salvation you want to go, there's a whole lot of links that we could talk about. Uh, But we just want to talk about three specific links in the chain of salvation this morning, the doctrine of justification, sanctification, and glorification, okay? Not all of the links, just some of the links that we believe are foundational to knowing and understanding what our great salvation is and how God accomplished it and what he accomplished and when he accomplished it and why it's so significant for us. Now, here's why this conversation is so important. And this may be hard to believe, But your pastors, me included, the staff here at GBC, the directors who love on your kiddos, we often have the same questions running through our heads that you do. We often have the same inner critics on repeat in our heads that you do. Questions like, gosh, how can I know that I'm right with God? How can I know that God still loves me, especially when I keep blowing it? Will he forgive me for that? Even that, you know what addresses those questions? What quiets those voices? The doctrine of our justification. Uh, Maybe you have different questions and different inner critics. Maybe you hear on refrain in your head, surely God's not going to take me back. Not after I blew it again. How long am I going to carry this shame? I don't want to be around Christians because of my past. That preacher keeps telling me I'm righteous, but I don't feel like it, act like it, look like it. He's got to be talking to the wrong person. You know what quiets those inner critics? Addresses those thoughts? The doctrine of our sanctification. The ongoing work of God making us like him, self And finally, the doctrine of our glorification. Maybe you're just hopeless. Maybe you are struggling with getting through the day and you have no idea how to face tomorrow. Maybe you've got this ticker tape running through your head of all of the bad and sad and hard things that you've ever experienced. And you are barely standing up, feeling like you're just going to collapse underneath the weight of it all. Will this brokenness ever and is life even worth it anymore? The doctrine of our glorification, man, it gives us hope Especially in the face of these these questions and these doubts and these uncertainties. And so, this morning, we want to speak to both your head and to your heart. Those aren't mutually exclusive. We got to know who it is we believe in so that we can feel deeply the glorious affection that God wants to raise up in us because of who God is and what He has. Done. so let's get after it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's talk about the doctrine of our justification. It's certainly a church word, a $50 church word, but it's actually a legal term. Okay, think about courthouses and judges and lawyers and defendants. It's a legal term. And in its simplest form, justification is this. You ready? It is a legal declaration by God, the judge, that we are right with him. Not based on anything we've done, not based on our performance, but based on the performance of another, namely Jesus Christ. Being justified means that we are in right standing with God. Now, we get this idea of being in right standing. It's not too hard to understand. How many of y'all ever owed somebody some money? A debtor, a creditor, your mama? Listen, pay your mama back, okay? She loves you, but she's, she's keeping count. To be in right standing with a debtor or a creditor means that we have settled our debt and there is no claim that they can bring against us anymore. We are in right standing with them. Let's talk about the law. What's it mean to be in right standing with the law? It means to be in such a state of obedience that that law can make no claim upon us. We are right with the law the same is true then about our relationship with God to be right with God means to be in such a condition of obedience that we owe God nothing that he demands because we stand in a position of perfect fulfillment to his standards but again it's not based on our hard work our ingenuity are pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. No, no, no. It's all based on the performance of another. We'll talk about that in a moment. Here, here's the deal, church. Christian justification is the powerful proclamation that me and God, we're okay. We're okay. I, I could put my head on my pillow at night and know that I am okay with the God of the universe. The debt that I owed has been paid in full, and it was a gift of. Grace. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is how he says it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. We have been, past tense. He's pointing to an act that happened in the past, namely the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified by faith. How do we access this justification? It is by faith. And Etienne taught us last week, faith is not just some superstitious belief in whatever. Faith, for it to be operative, always attaches itself to an object. And y'all are demonstrating great faith in those chairs that are holding you up right now. Amen, right? Uh Uh-huh. Just putting all your weight on all four of them legs. Faith, for it to be operative, it must place its weight in an object in Christian faith places the weight of its conviction upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ, namely his life perfectly obedient to God and his law and his sacrificial death on our behalf. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have peace with God. That's one of the many benefits of our justification. But isn't it interesting that he doesn't say the peace of God. He says peace with God. The peace of God is something that we also eventually experience. And the peace of God is that inner certitude, that inner confident assurance that God is still seated on the throne. That no matter what's happening outside me or around me, I'm going to be okay because God knows what I need and when I need it. That's the peace of God. But we don't get the peace of God until we have peace with God. Why did we need peace with God? Because apart from the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, we were at war with God. We've talked about this bad news a lot around here. The reason we talk about the bad news a lot around here is because we want you to know how good the good news of the gospel really is. And the bad news is that we showed up on this planet dead in our sins and trespasses. Ephesians 2 says that we were by nature, deep inside our core disposition, by nature children of wrath. Why children of wrath? Because God is holy and perfect and righteous and we were not. And so the target of God's divine displeasure was painted on our frames. And if we didn't have someone to stand in our place, God would have crushed us. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4 says, When we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, he says in Romans chapter 5. Jesus came and did what we could not do. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Church, the beauty of the gospel is that God is infinitely holy and morally perfect. And that the only way that we can enter into his presence and fellowship is to match his holiness and moral perfection. And none of us could do it. No matter how hard we try, but he could and he did. He did. That's why our our justification is through Jesus Christ. And we needed Jesus to get through the barrier that our sin created. Sin created a barrier. We could not get through it to get to God, to get back into fellowship. And so Jesus became the bridge that crossed the gulf of our sinfulness into the infinite presence and holiness of God of God. This is why the good news is such good news. What man could not do in order to be accepted by God, God did himself in and through the person of Jesus. Now one more place I want to show you that unpacks this idea of justification. There's so many. Uh, Flip over to the right a couple of books of Philippians chapter 3. See, Paul wants to explain to us in Philippians chapter 3 that he thought that he could purchase God's righteousness with human currency. The human currency doesn't work in the kingdom of God, in the economy of God. No, he needed a righteousness that came from God alone, not a a righteousness of his own doing. So as you turn into Philippians 3, let's, let's go ahead and summarize where we're at so far with this idea of justification. We are justified by faith through grace in Christ, and it is a legal declaration. God declares that we are righteous. The theological term here is that God has imputed to us his righteousness, He declared that we are righteous. He has moved his righteousness into our account so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and his perfection. In other words, when God goes to his mailbox to pull your report card out, you got Jesus' perfect marks. Not, not like this report card I found of my own. Uh, this was back in first grade. C- can you read it there? First grade, y'all. I am enjoying Cameron. Recently, he started answering for other children when I ask a question. Nothing has changed, folks. Let's keep going. Uh, it seems hard for him to wait his turn to answer. Of course it is. I've got the answer. I want to help the other kid out. Oh, my wife read all of these. There were plenty of them. She's like, nothing, nothing has changed in 30 plus years. No, no, no. When God pulls our report card out of the mail, we don't have to doctor it. How many of y'all doctor? Come on. How many of y'all tried to doctor up your report card before? Thank you for being honest, bro. Me too. Me too. The rest of y'all are way too holy. Some of y'all don't even remember, right? That's okay. That's okay. The divine forgetfulness. No, 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 no. When God looks at us, he sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. His marks, his performance, his flawless obedience. This is what Paul points out for us in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to fall right into the middle of a thought here. Philippians 3 verse 8. This is what Paul says. Indeed, I count everything as loss now because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, Verse 9, and be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Not having a righteousness of my own that's birthed out of my good efforts, my human merit, my hard work. But, but having a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God that depends on faith. So we're not confused. To be justified means to be declared righteous. And to be righteous means to be declared as justified. Both of those things are synonymous in the text here. And Paul is talking about this radical reorientation that happened in his life once he came face to face with the crucified risen Savior. See how he defined profit and loss changed when he met Jesus. Why? Because he realized he'd been calculating wrong all along. The things that used to hold value for him, they didn't hold value anymore. Why? Because he thought he could purchase God's righteousness with his hard work. With his impressive resume. See, he's contrasting two different types of righteousness here. Let's talk about them really quickly. There's the do-it-yourself kind of righteousness, and there is the God-gifted kind of righteousness. The do-it-yourself kind of righteousness, it is absolutely worthless. It's like building your own printing press at home and then counterfeiting your own money. You might fool somebody for a little bit, but ultimately it's worthless. But this God-gifted kind of righteousness, we're talking about a righteousness that matches Everything that God requires from those he has called into relationship with himself. God gives us what he requires. It's good news, folks. That's the greatest news there is. Paul had come to grips with the fact that his keeping of the law, his ingenuity, his fancy footwork, none of that human currency worked in God's economy. And so, church, as we kind of land this justification plane and, and pick up this next link in the chain of sanctification, man, it means to be. To be justified, folks, is to be declared righteous. By the work of Jesus, we are declared righteous. It's, it's what Dustin often says to be justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Say, what? To be justified, it is just as if I'd never sinned. That's what God sees when He looks at those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And that's why it's important that we know that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter eight verse 1. And we're going to need to remember Romans 8:1, y'all. Because justification declares us righteous. But sanctification is what grows us up into walking out our justification. And we're going to need to remember that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus because we're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes We're going to believe lies. We're going to return to our sin thinking that it ultimately satisfies us when it does not. And God's love is so comprehensive that even when we return to our sin like a dog returns to its vomit, God's voice from heaven calls down and says, My child, you're forgiven. There's no life there. Come back home. That's what we need to learn to hear from our Heavenly Father who declared us as righteous. But we got some work to do, believing the gospel and growing up in this sanctification. This once and for all, lifelong process of being sanctified. Here's the deal, folks. Sanctification, it's a lifelong process. And because it is, I've found that God can use anything and everything to sanctify us. A mentor of mine once asked me a trick question. He said, "Uh, Cameron, how does God sanctify his kids? I said, I don't know. And he said, any way he wants, including positive COVID diagnosis. Which is why I want to welcome from quarantine in Lake Placid, Pastor Dustin Woods to come. What's happening?
0: Hey, are you there? Hey, Pastor Kim, I like how you put that, man. How's God going to sanctify us? Any way he needs to, any way he wants to. Ain't that right, folks? Amen, amen. Well, hey, hey just Dustin. To, I know y'all can hear me, I think, but to let me know that you can hear me, let me hear you real quick. All y'all in the house. Yeah, what's up? Hey, we, we, up? we, Bible. we hear you, Man, but you I, don't
1: look too good.
0: I hear you talking, Cam. I can't hear what you're saying.
1: Why are you lying? Uh-huh. Hey,
0: <laughs> I got a question for you. How, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man.
1: How is Jesus sanctifying you right now?
0: Uh, that, that's a that's a good question, man. That's not something you just ask somebody when you're walking down the street. Uh, but good time to talk about that, I guess. We're we're talking about sanctification. I love that. Uh, just a reminder. I, old country preacher told me one time, and I heard you say it, Cam. And justification, the doctrine of justification, is the promise from Jesus that what He has done for us makes us just as if we had never sinned. And that's good news. Uh, Sanctification, uh, we feel that one a little bit differently because we got a little more skin in the game. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But you asked, how is the Lord sanctifying me right now? Um, Well, as y'all know, Ansley and I have been cooped up at the house for about the last 10 days, and we are constantly getting better. And so we actually both feel pretty well today. And um, so I look forward to being with you guys again soon. And but uh, I sent it in the video that I sent last week, this this idea of David's words in Psalm chapter 23 kind of come to mind um, in seasons of inconvenience, like when God is obviously stepped in without my permission to do something different in my life um, that, that I would not have voted for. And I think about kind of like this. Um, Angela and I are we we love to be busy, we love to be around the people that we love. We love to uh, be at church on Sunday and um it's just, you know, it's one of those times where we need to stay away and it reminds me of Psalm 23 when David said that there are times when the good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters to restore my soul for his name's sake. And I think about those Words in times like these, and in other inconvenient times of life, where it is the love of God to make us lie down in green pastures to restore our soul for his name's sake. We, not, we may not feel the restoration happening. Um, we may not realize that what is happening to us is for the glory of God. But even David's words in Psalm 23 remind us that it is the love of God to make us lie down in green pastures. And so, yeah. Uh, This is one of the ways that God is sanctifying me in my life right now, is through this season of COVID quarantine and just having to stare at the wall and be with our thoughts and just be with one another. And uh, God has been doing something in that. I don't know exactly what yet, uh, but I do know that it's happening because it is just how he works in sanctifying us. So let's talk real quick about what a sanctification hey, Really
1: quick, Dustin, everybody wants to know, um, is Rev... Uh, being uh, taken care of. I mean, that's what's most important, right? How's you dog? Yeah, yeah. The,
0: the pup is just fine. I think he's loving having all this attention. <laughs> all right, I'll stop. I'll stop, I'll stop interrupting you now. Yeah, sanct. Well, you did get a, something on your first grade report card for doing that, didn't you? <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> man, sanctification, um, and very simply put, man, is being cleaned up, purified, and set apart. The Bible uses the word holy. Uh, to be set apart for a purpose, cleaned up, purified and set apart. And um, you, you don't have to be a, a theological scholar to really understand how sanctification works, because in your ordinary lives, like we experience what sanctification does and how it works, particularly in those times when you have just mopped the floor and um, either your children or the neighborhood children, Uh, You see them coming from afar and you see the door crack to the front door and you know that they are filthy and they are about to run through your freshly cleaned house. And you start hollering right from the get go. No, don't come tracking mud in here. I just mopped the floor. Stay outside. Like it's because those floors have been sanctified, have been purified, have been cleaned and set apart. They have been made holy in your house for a purpose. And you don't want them coming to trounce the mud And through the floors, Um, that's just a silly illustration, but that is essentially what sanctification is. It's the purification process to clean us up, to make us into the image of the perfect one, Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you guys the same question Cameron asked me, GBC family. uh, How's the Lord completing his sanctifying work in your life right now? How is he working on cleaning you up? What inconvenient things are happening in your life where God is doing some work in you and maybe you haven't taken notice of it yet? Just like cleaning those filthy floors. Um, In order to give something a good clean, sometimes you gotta give it a good scrub. And um, where do you feel those uh, coarse bristles of the love of God brushing up against your life right now? The coarse bristles of the love of God Cleansing you and purifying you and doing a work in you that is uncomfortable? Is it uh, something happening at work, or is it something happening financially? Is it a financial concern? Is there a health issue that you're dealing with? Uh, has God gifted you with a teenage son or daughter that He is also using to sanctify you by pushing every button you got? Uh, In what ways is God sanctifying you and completing that work in your life right now? You know, God's work of sanctification, uh, it reminds me of the simple truth that what we see as inconvenience just might be his presence. What we see as things that are in the way just might be the Lord making a way. All right, What, what we perceive as life trying to mess us up just might be the Lord trying to make us new. So what are you seeing in your life right now as an obstacle that God is using as a vehicle to transform you, to keep his promise, to make you into the image of his son, to continue to shape your life and purify you and make you holy? Did you know that it is the love of God to make us uncomfortable? Often, the love of God being displayed in our lives is oftentimes in our discomfort. Let's be honest. We don't grow when we're comfortable. We love mountaintops, but all we do is get a good view from there. Life transformation happens in the valleys. That's where all the greenery happens. The shrubbery grows. That's where the streams of life are, but it's uncomfortable. It's not as exciting. Um, We don't long for valleys like we long for mountaintops, but the reality of it is, is like This is when God is doing his greatest work in us in these uninvited inconveniences. And just while we're having the conversation, like for those that are believers in Jesus, like we love the doctrine of justification. We love the fact that Jesus's work was enough to forgive our sins, to make us right with God. We love that. And many Christians, particularly American Christians in this day and age, We dig our heels in the sand at the end of that theological statement, not recognizing that there is another link in the chain of salvation called sanctification. We kind of try to ignore that one because we do not like it. We love what Jesus has done for us, but we're not too interested in what he plans to do to us. This is why there's so much bad theology being preached out there all over the airwaves that is making it sound as if as if God's goodness is when he agrees with us, when he sees things our way and makes us as comfortable as possible and is okay with the way we see the world, the way we see life and everything that it has. But it is the love of God to make us uncomfortable, to sanctify us, to purify us, to continue to transform and renew our mind to be more like his. And that's gonna be uncomfortable because we've been raised by the world around us. And so we believe all kind of nonsense that the Holy Spirit is wanting to purify in us and make us more like Christ. And so we oftentimes don't like the work of sanctification, but it's the love of God to continue that work unto perfection, and he has promised that he will. So Grace Bible, get comfortable being uncomfortable. It is the fingerprints of your heavenly father being displayed in your story and continue to trust in him while that work is happening. Now, interestingly enough, when the Bible speaks of sanctification, It speaks of it in two ways. It speaks of it as something that has happened and is complete. And it also speaks of it as something that is still happening. Now, this is a bit mysterious. This is one of the gospel mysteries that we refer to from time to time. Let me give you an example of where we see this described in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 is just coming off the heels. The beginning of Hebrews 10 really talking about what Cameron just did justification the work that jesus did to make us right with god and then it moves into the second link of the chain starts speaking of sanctification and this is what it says hebrews 10 10 for by that by that work that has been done from jesus by jesus by that we have been sanctified say we have been sanctified say it Yeah. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's good news. Hey, guess what? If you are in Christ Jesus, according to Hebrews 10.10, if your trust is in him as Lord and King, you have been sanctified by his work, by the gift of his body once and for all. It's a done deal. You've been purified and made holy by God. You don't have to carry that shame or that guilt around with you anymore. You've been made holy and sanctified by God. That's good news, once and for all, it says. And then we jump to verse 14, and then it gets mysterious. And he says, for by that single offering, the life of Jesus, he has perfected for all time. You've been perfected for all time. He says he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Wait a second now. He just told us that we have been sanctified by the work of Jesus once and for all. He has perfected us. And then he goes on to say that we have been perfected uh, for all time, those who are being sanctified. He speaks of sanctification as this ongoing journey that we are on. Uh, My cousin Austin refers to it like this. Um, He said, when we're talking about these gospel mysteries and these gospel truths, Um, We get to see in this this theological discussion, the the beautiful gospel mystery of and, say and. Yeah, the beautiful gospel mystery of and. This is where the gospel kind of shows us that in the kingdom of God, we live in a kingdom now of the already and the not yet. We live in the already the complete and finished work, but also the not yet, the things that we hope for, the things that are still happening in us and through us. This is why when we oftentimes refer to discipleship, which is a part of our sanctification journey, we have been justified once and for all. Sanctification has happened, but it's still happening. This is a big part of our growing up into our relationship with Jesus is being sanctified. This is why we oftentimes refer to discipleship as learning to grow up into what we already are learning to grow up into who we already are this is that 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 beautiful gospel mystery of the already and the not yet now this can be a little bit confusing but god gives us some examples of what that looks like throughout scripture one of my favorite examples you can read about this afternoon is in second chronicles chapter 34 in second chronicles 34 we learn about a king named Josiah that was anointed by God to be the king at eight years old. So here this kid is at eight years old, 2 Chronicles 34, who is now the king. He wields all the authority of the king. The mantle of majesty and authority has been placed upon his life and shoulders at eight years old. He's still in elementary school. Bottom line is, even though he didn't know what being king looked like or how to be king, he was king. And you couldn't change that. It was the already and the not yet. Josiah was already the king, but he had to learn how to grow up into who he already was. Throughout his life, he was going to learn what walking in that kingship looked like, what ruling and reigning and thinking and behaving like a king would be. But just because he didn't know how it worked yet didn't change the fact that he was king because he was king. This is very much like our sanctification journey. And some of these complex gospel truths we've been talking about throughout this whole sermon series. It's the simple fact of the Holy Spirit is helping us grow up into who we already are. He declares over us what is already true. We're just learning how to walk in what is already true of us. Sanctification, being purified and made holy, is no different. Now, here's some good news. Cam, if you haven't yet, run back to the stage. Oh, but wait, I I wanted to interrupt you again. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, Interesting illustration. One of my mentors a long time ago said, uh, when a baby learns how to crawl, we don't take them back to the hospital to install kneecaps on them, do we? No.
0: no. That's a good example.
1: Because the baby has everything it needs to grow up into, and the same is true about us. We have been sanctified and made holy and blameless and beyond reproach and complete and chosen and forgiven and loved, and yet we don't know much about how to live in those truths, and so we are yes. growing up into them. Amen?
0: No, that's true, and that's why Scripture tells us, man, that in Christ we have been given everything that we need for life and godliness. Um, it's already there. The transformation has happened. The Lord has done the work, but yet he is doing an ongoing work to help us learn to crawl, to help us be king, to help us just become who it is that we already are. And and there's good news in that because we aren't left alone, Grace Bible, to try to figure out how to become who God wants us to be. I know much of my life I've felt that way. I've been trying to figure out how to uh, adopt and adapt my life to all these Christian behaviors that I know are expected of the life of a believer and rightfully so expected from the life of a believer but like I was just coming up woefully short what I was failing to realize is that in every one of these nuances of the gospel mystery it is God who is doing the work in us through us and as us we are just clinging to him along the ride and so 1 Thessalonians 5:23 and 24 teaches us this as it pertains to sanctification this cleansing purification that's happening in our lives and this is how Paul says, says it to the Thessalonians. He says in verse 23, Now may the God, (coughs) may the God of peace himself, say himself. Yeah, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Who's doing the sanctifying completely? The God of peace himself. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of of our Lord Jesus. Man, the idea of that sounds daunting and very difficult. I I want to be kept blameless until the day of the Lord Jesus, body, soul, and spirit. And I've been trying to, but I've been coming up short. Remember, he says the God of peace himself is going to sanctify you completely. And look at verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Who's the faithful one? Who's the one that's going to do it? Who's the one that's going to sanctify you completely? The God of peace himself, God almighty. Uh, That really begs the question, like, well, if God is doing all the work, then what part do I play in this? How do I step into the batter's box to do my job as a Christ follower of growing up into who I already am and learning to act like a Christian? Well, Scripture speaks to that as well. It shows us what our part to play is in this journey. One of the places is Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 gives us these instructions. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus because he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. John 15 goes on to say, and these are Jesus's words. John 15, Jesus says, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. A branch who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So here we see this reoccurring theme in the scriptures of Jesus is gonna do the work in us, through us, and as us. Our job is to fix our eyes on him and abide in him. Grace Bible, this is just a snapshot of of the journey of sanctification, but this is a lifelong journey that the Lord will continue to accomplish in us. Let me pass it back to Pastor Cam, as he takes us into some of the exciting stuff of glorification and what we hope for in the days to come. Grace Five, I love you guys, and I look forward to seeing you next weekend.
1: Thank God for technology that works. Y'all should have seen us first service. Nothing worked. We had him, like, with a face frozen, looking like, uh, I'm sure we grabbed some pictures of it. It'll go in the blooper reel. There's one more link to the glorious chain of salvation. I mean, there's a couple between sanctification and glorification, but let's, let's not get lost in the weeds. The doctrine of glorification essentially teaches this. The day is coming. The day is coming when Jesus is going to come back. Amen? And when he comes, he's going to split the sky and he's going to bring his forever kingdom and he's going to dry every eye. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to finally vanquish death and put to shame every enemy that's ever stood against God and God's purposes and God's people in the world. And he's also going to do something in us. Let me, let me show you how the Apostle John, the revealer, tells us. In 1 John chapter 3, First John, towards the end of the Bible, he says this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now we're not homeless anymore we're not orphaned we are God's kids his sons and his daughters and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he Jesus appears we shall be like him because we shall see him for who he truly is here's what he's saying The day is going to come when Jesus returns and he brings with him our resurrected, glorified bodies. Can I get an amen? Amen. Like these decaying earth suits that are decaying much quicker in some of us than others. God's going to renew our bodies and he's going to reframe and refashion this world that is groaning because of sin. Jesus is going to do this work. It's going to make every sad thing come untrue. If I can quote Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I want to show you one more place that Paul has the audacity to say something that some commentators say is the most daring verse in the Bible. Romans chapter 8, another place where this doctrine of glorification is unpacked for us. And uh, I'm not going to tell you the audacious part. I want you to see if you can find it. Romans 8.30, Paul's giving his own glorious chain of salvation link after link after link don't get lost in the links just look for the crazy part chapter 8 verse 30 and those whom God predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified now I married an English major but I did not need to do that to know that these are all in the past tense Say, what? I, I hope this isn't my glorified body. It's a little bit frumpy. I, I thought I was going to get one with a six-pack. Is Paul really suggesting that we have already been glorified? That we have already attained our sinless, perfect, glorified state? No, that's not what he's saying at all. Man, I hope not. No, I don't think it is. Here's, here's what he's doing. Paul is so confident, so sure, so rock solid that Jesus will return, that he teaches us as if it's already happened. He starts from before the very foundations of the world that God has predestined us. Don't get lost in that word. It simply means that God has set a boundary, a horizon around our lives before we ever showed up. And we'll never go beyond that boundary. He has predestined us and he has called us and he has justified us and he has glorified us. Us man Paul is so confident that the future state of glory is coming that he teaches as if it has already happened. Why? Because if we read the whole chapter of Romans 8, we'll know that man, there were there were suffering in Rome. They were groaning. For Jesus to come back, not only the people of God, but creation itself, Romans 8, 18 to 20, creation itself was groaning, waiting for Jesus to return. If we had ears to hear, we could step outside and we could hear literally the trees and the earth groaning and crying because sin infected everything. Everything. Yes, I believe the earthquake that devastated Haiti and took thousands of lives is a result of sin embedded into all of creation. Even in the tectonic plates, sin has manifested itself in all of creation. But the day is coming when Jesus will make all things new. And as the people of God, we must be heavenly thinkers so that we can begin to live out what is true about us here and now as hopeful ones. And so, my dear justified, sanctified, glorified brothers and sisters of the most high God who are loved and chosen and blameless and holy and righteous and beyond reproach. You believe that? That's who you are in Christ Jesus. We may not feel like it, we may not act like it, we may not know how to walk out that yet. It's why we need each other. It's why we need to be discipled. It's why we need brothers and sisters and men and women to encourage us and to remind us who we are and to remind us when that's not Jesus coming out of us, to remind us of what our godly options are when we face a crisis or we get a call that we weren't expecting or when we come up against something really hard and we don't know what to do. We need each other. The church of Jesus Christ is at its best when it is calling out to one another, reminding one another, who we are in Christ, not throwing rocks at one another. God never shows us the warts in someone else to throw rocks at them. It's always a call to intercession and prayer and love. Justification, sanctification, glorification, glorious themes of our glorious salvation May we continue to get lost in this love story that God has rescued us and saved us from the penalty of sin by justifying us, is saving us from the power of sin by sanctifying us and will one day save us from the presence and pull of sin by glorifying us. Praise God who's covered all of our bases and wiped out every one of our enemies. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for this glorious intruder who knew what we needed and when we needed it and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were in full-on rebellion, Jesus, you came and you sought out and saved those who were lost. Oh God, may we know how deep, how wide, how high, how rich the love of God is for those who are in Christ Jesus.